welcome. This is the Geek Therapy Podcast, where mental health professionals and allies and friends talk about geeky things and how they're positive and how they're saving the world and things like that. My name is Josue Cardona. I am your host. And with me today is my fellow geek therapist and scientist, Janina Scarlett. She's been on the show before, and we're going to talk about a few things today, primarily Doctor Who, I hope. So Janina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Welcome back. Yes. Um, last time, last time you were on the show, we talked about fantasy and narrative, and and I I I love Doctor Who so much, and we talked about this. Yes. Um, and I think that we didn't talk about Doctor Who that last time, right? We talked more about literature, right? And but there's just there's so much that for me is cathartic and 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 resonating, and I identify with so many things in that show. That's why it's it's my favorite show right now. So I kind of want us to to touch on that, and especially right now, um, we're right between Christmas and New Year. So we just had, we just had the biggest year in Doctor Who yep. ever. Oh, yeah, so. between the fiftieth anniversary special and the Christmas special, those were some really amazing episodes. And it's interesting how the show is now uniting people across different generations. Because you have mm-hmm. people who were watching it back in the 60s and the 70s, and then you have the younger generation um, that are just starting to watch now, and there's something that they can talk about and and have in common. And I think Doctor Who is this beautiful symbol of hope for, for all people who watch the show, and I, I think that's definitely something a lot of people have in common. I love that idea that maybe your dad has his favorite doctor and your grandfather might have a favorite yeah, doctor. Yeah. And then you do and your kids might or your niece and nephew might. And it's yeah, not many shows can can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm meeting people now, um, whether it's uh, my patients or my boss uh, who are, you know, some of them are quite a bit older than me. And they'll say that they were watching the fourth doctor, for example, the guy with the scarf is what they usually say with the, yeah. with the sky for the scarf and the poofy hair. And that, that was their favorite doctor. And you know, Ten is mine, David Tennant. And uh, after watching, after rewatching the fourth Doctor, um, I would say Tom Baker is my second. And uh, it's it's just so great to be able to unite over something like that when usually there's such a big generational gap um, that now I think it's getting much smaller with technology and and with some of these kind of transcendent ideas, and especially with this show that has been on the air for fifty years on and off. And something like the 50th anniversary where there's references for everybody. Yes. You know, right? They make references to every single doctor. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. I showed uh, the 50th anniversary to my neighbor who um, was the fourth doctor, was his doctor. And I didn't tell him that Tom Baker was in it. So at the end, when Tom Baker came out, he cried. My, my <laughs> friend just had tears in his eyes. He did not realize that Tom Baker was in it. He didn't even know if he was wow. still alive. And it was such a powerful moment for him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was a powerful moment, period. Yes. But, for everybody. Um, at least, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you, of course, especially if you knew who he was. Because if you have no idea who he is, it's it's a cool kind of confusing nod to what the future might hold. Yeah. But if you can, if you know who he is, you can really, really appreciate it. And even, oh, it's so good. And even all of these years later, he still owns it. He's still the doctor. You can just see it in his eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and one of the things about Doctor Who is that they're all of the old doctors that are still alive, with the exception of Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. 
they all do radio dramas. Yeah. They all do um, radio versions. So, so Tom Baker, he's done tons and tons of Doctor Who stories, mm. audio dramas after he he left the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was um so so 50th anniversary was just huge. There was a there was a 50th anniversary um audio drama. It was called The Light at the End, I believe. Right. And it actually includes um the actual actors of uh so it's Tom Baker. So the fourth Doctor, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth are all together. Wow. Um, and then they have people who were companions of one, two, and three playing one, two, and three. So there's actually eight doctors in this one audio. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was pretty it, it's it's great. If you haven't heard it. Wow. Um, so the guy that played Jamie yeah. for the first doctor? He played the um, first doctor? I don't remember which companion it was that plays um, that plays the first doctor. Okay. I don't remember his name. Okay. I listened to. Um, there's actually a whole commentary track to the. It's funny because I never. That was the first audio drama I'd heard, and it actually came with a one-hour special um, where they interviewed everybody, and and that's when I learned that they weren't just using stock footage or anything like that. They were using actual actors. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, for one, two, and three, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Um, ha have you ever seen the fourth Doctor, like from the moment that he first regenerates into the fourth Doctor? Have you seen that arc? Nope. nope. It's it's so interesting because, um, you know, you watch the third Doctor die, and the, and the third Doctor was great. And, you know, it's like if you start from the beginning, they're just they're getting better and better and better. And then you, you know, watching it, at, at you know where I am right now, where I know the fourth Doctor is great, I was kind of already anticipating something amazing. But just from the moment he gets up, he owns it. It just it's written all over him. He is the Doctor, and I think that kind of presence, that kind of boom, I'm here. I'm the Doctor. I own this. I know what I'm doing. Um, I haven't seen that in any of the Doctors that have kind of appeared the second that they appeared. There's there's this. This interview I, I I read or heard um, with Tom Baker, and I think it was with uh, Tom Baker, and it was this idea that they wanted him to play the Doctor, but they didn't give him any guidance at all. Wow. You know, so he just said, so what What kind of, uh, so how am I going to play this character, right? Because um, number three was kind of, he's actually kind of condescending, right? Yeah, yeah, he can be <laughs> like kind of everybody. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's part of his charm. And so number four, um, so when Tom Baker came on, I was like, "So what do you want me to do?" And I, I think he had ideas, but they just told him, "Just do do whatever you want." And that's actually a big seems to be a big part of the history. Not so much now, right? I don't think I don't think I mean everything is so detailed and scripted, and one thing ties to another, and there's references yeah. everywhere. And nowadays, but, they seem to be written for the specific actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we'll talk about like the comic books in a second, but it's it's so funny that that the they represent something so well on screen, and the character is so defined that um, even in these comic books uh, and and other versions, uh, I can really see the actor and the portrayal. Yep. Because I don't know, it's it's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but but getting back to that Doctor Who, it's been one of those things where a lot of the actors weren't given any guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, and even for a while when they were writing the books, I, I think I read that for a while it was like, so one author would write a novel and then just hand it off to the next person. And there was no BBC oversight necessarily. Mm. So it's like, okay, just build on, on the last one. 
And I don't know if there were certain things they could or couldn't do, but for the most part, there wasn't an overarching, um, you know, theme rule book that they had to follow. Right. It was just you. Okay. And now you can build on what I did. So, so maybe I would add a little something, you know, just leave it open-ended so right. that one of the future authors would, would take it care of it. It makes you really appreciate what Moffat is doing because he's been setting clues forever for mm -hmm. what he's doing and he always ties up ends and then he always sprinkles a little bit more that makes you guess and makes you wonder and it's always the tiniest little thing like in 11th hour the duck pond which you're like wait that might be important but then you forget about it it kind of like as if you saw the silence and then you don't hear about the duck pond until the end of the season and so you kind of like see all of these little clues throughout that season so there's like uh, like when the doctor is at the TARDIS and he's looking at the screen and you see uh, a crack looking uh, fixture on his monitor and mm -hmm. he's like trying to analyze it. So everything, if you if you watch it several times, you find these tiny little clues where the camera is on it for like a second and you don't think it's important, but it is. Oh, not only that, but if you listen to the way he speaks. Yes. Sometimes he'll answer a question. And he'll answer it in a way that could mean two or three different yes. things. And you, and you don't know way, way until way, way down. You know the line. what I started doing? Um, I started watching the show with subtitles, uh, mm -hmm. with captions rather, uh, yep. because I find that, you know, I, I understand the British accent. I, I don't have any problem with that. But it's the one show where if you miss even like a tiniest, tiniest thing, you might not realize how clever it was. So in, in having the captions on, it allows me to kind of catch on more than I do otherwise. And in watching it several times, definitely pick up a lot more things than you do the first time around. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we, we watch each episode multiple times. Yeah. And um, I've started doing the same thing. After the first time, um, I will watch it at least once with subtitles because there are parts that I, I really want to capture. Right. And there are quotes and stuff that I actually like to write down. Yeah. And. I remember in the in the in the Christmas episode, I remember the first time um, he talked about the silence and he described what they were like, oh, like, oh, they're just I understood professional priests yep. the first time. But then when I saw it with the subtitles, it was confessional priests. Huh. Um, and it was it was just one of those things that it does. It does make a difference. Right. 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 <laughs> they're bioengineered confessional priests. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That, that's it makes sense. Cool. Right. And then yeah. you, you confess and then you forget everything. <laughs> Yep, yep. So, so yeah, but it's full of full of stuff. But I still what so what's the the duck pond? What is what is that? I think I don't remember that from the you end. You know, I don't want to take it away from you. I think that mm. you should rewatch that season <laughs> and I think that that you should pay I just did. To... I just watched I just rewatched <laughs> last week. Well, pay attention to the duck pond. Ah, <laughs> oh, fine. It's not fine. the most important thing. It's not like, you know, when he's calculating whether or not Amelia Pond is pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's, it's really, you know, it, it's a, it's a minor thing, but it's just clever that that was something that was there from the beginning. Okay. I'll check it out. Okay. So I have to rewatch my favorite show again. Darn it. <laughs> so we were talking about this before. Uh, how, how many times have you seen the last couple of episodes? So the Christmas episode I've seen twice. And Me too. Yep. And to be fair, it just released three days. Ago. Exactly. Yeah. So we've only had three days to watch it two times. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of emotion to watch more than one in, in a day, personally, for mm -hmm. me. Um, but um, the 50th anniversary, I've seen eight times. Wow. 
I've only seen it four times. Yeah. Well, you you have some catching up to do, clearly. I do. <laughs> it's. I saw it at the theater. Yeah. I saw yeah, it. I saw it at the theater too. Oh, that was so good. Wasn't it the a, beginning? Yeah. How wasn't it a great experience? Just I I don't know if they did that at the theater you went to, but at the theaters here in San Diego, every theater was playing it, so everybody was dressed, you know, in Doctor Who gear, and it it just it felt like a Doctor Who con. Whoa. Yeah. No, actually, so so well, obviously, there are more fans where you are. <laughs> Um, in mine, what they did do, there were actually two screenings going on at once. Okay. And they were across from each other. Okay. So, and I didn't realize that they were across from each other until we walked out. And then we were all walking out together, facing each other. Nice. You see this crowd uh, of people. Yeah. 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 And everybody's yeah. like high-fiving each other. Nice. All excited. Nice. Pretty, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it felt amazing because people were lined up around the corner. Everyone's dressed up, people young and old. Like you see these tiny little kids and, you know, the like either the fezes or the bow ties or uh, the gas masks, uh, you know, asking, are you my mommy? Uh, you know, and, and you have you have older people, too. And, and everyone's either dressed up or just really excited and everyone's chattering away. And it, it really felt like a convention. And every theater or at least majority of theaters in San Diego were playing it. And in the theaters that were playing it, every room was playing it wow yeah it was, it was really powerful at san diego comic-con this year they had the they actually before i think the first footage of the 50th anniversary was shown there yep right or extended footage anyway and a few of the actors were there um it was on the cover of the program yep. for the show yep yep <laughs> yeah and they held it in hall h yep the biggest hall yeah yeah, yeah. did you go did you get to go? i did not i did not yeah uh, sadly, it was a very, very tough choice between Doctor Who and Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I went to see Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things, too, where I wanted to see it, but I didn't want any spoilers. Yeah. And, but it was also, I, I didn't, it was my first time there. I wanted to take advantage of. Just other stuff, and I didn't want to spend the whole last day waiting yep. in Hall H. Waiting in line. Yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But it's okay. And you're coming back this year, right? Uh, I I think so. I want to. I don't know if I'll ever not go to San Diego Comic-Con again. Yeah, no, you'd better. <laughs> even if even if there isn't a Doctor Who event at uh, Hall H, that's fine. Oh, I love San Diego Comic-Con <laughs> so much. Um. Is there a Doctor Who con, an actual Doctor Who con in San Diego? Uh, not in San Diego. Uh, sometimes there's one in Orange County or LA area. Um, okay. The kind of smaller scale. Uh, in San Diego, there is uh, a sci-fi fantasy con in March. And mm -hmm. they have what they're calling like schools. So they have like a Hogwarts school. And then they have like a sci-fi where they talk about Doctor Who. And then they have some other... And like Star Wars Academy and things like that. Um, so, and that one's a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going this year. Um, so you should come to that. And then they had a huge Doctor Who con in, in London uh, during uh, during the 50th. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in, it was either in October or November, there was Chicago TARDIS. And that one seemed pretty big. A lot of A lot of people from the show were there. Wow. That one seemed really large. I, I would have loved to have gone to that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. It didn't seem like a really small con. It seemed like a big deal. I'm wondering if they're going to have it next year. That would be really cool to go. Yeah. 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 Anything Doctor Who so at this point. So I have a question for you. How did you feel about Peter Capaldi? How did I feel about um, about his appearance yes. or his announcement? Or, no, okay, his, appearance, his appearance. Like, you know, the two seconds or whatever he was on the screen. I was... I say I wasn't satisfied. I'll oh. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, because uh, it felt so quick. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was like, oh, I just showed up, and then, boom, we're done. I did. I did start thinking about the hair. Uh huh. For a while, I was like, he looks exactly like he did in the announcement. Yep. He looks like I've always seen him exactly like that. Right. Um. So so I guess that's the look they're going for. I don't think they're gonna change it for the first episode immediately. Right. Um. So I was I, I was curious about that. Like, is he gonna have, you know, big crazy hair? Like, I'm I'm really curious about what style he's going to, he's going to have. I, I was I was I was very excited to see him. Yeah. But I was like, oh, like you you want you want more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I wanted to see him on the screen more, and yeah. I I liked his presence. I liked that yeah. he was kind of like quirky, and he had like he had this big personality about him at the same time. Yeah, well, and and the whole thing about the liver and stuff—it seemed kidneys. The the kidneys, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and not liking the color of them—that was cool. Yeah, but at the same time, I felt I felt like it was kind of this is weird, right? Because we're talking about the same character. We're talking, yeah, <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, he's acting a little bit too much like the doctor is what I was about to say. Which, um, <laughs> but but what I meant to say, he he, I felt he was uh, acting a little like Matt Smith, and and I kind of liked the idea of him being a completely different person. But I didn't get, I don't know how, what he's gonna be like because I didn't get. That's interesting that, that you got Matt Smith, and and Matt Smith is one of your favorites, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I actually got David Tennant. Hmm. I, you yeah. know, I I thought that he he had this like kind of quirky, funny feel to him, kind of like David Tennant. Like, hey, do you know how to fly this thing? And you know, I thought it was kind of, I don't know, he was a little bit like that. Yeah. Well, well, and so remember when when Matt Smith starts, he's like he starts touching himself, and he's like touches his hair. He's like, oh my god, am I a girl? Yeah, right. Because he's got a lot of hair, right? And it's that kind of thing. So like, oh my kidneys, I have new kidneys. Like I'm feeling things that are brand new. Yeah. Um, and it was that immediate moment, right? It just happened because when Tennant changed, he was knocked he was out sick. for like yeah. forty minutes. Yeah. And so he, was in so he bed didn't for have a while. moment like that. Yeah, yeah. The whole half of the Christmas special, yeah. he's in bed. Yep. <laughs> So so it didn't um so that's why I didn't think Tennant cuz Tennant was and then and then when Tennant wakes up he's pretty much a badass. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's it's different when Matt is like, "Oh, what what happened? What what is this?" <laughs> <laughs> right? And he's really the only one that's done that in the current one. Yeah. So so I felt that Capaldi was like that. Well, I mean, he's doing something right if we think he's that he reminded of of the last two doctors. Yeah, were incredible. <laughs> but he's doing something right. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I was kind of wishing that the doctor's 11th doctor's last meal would be fish fingers and custard it was i know it was well yeah what it was or wasn't Uh, like i wish you know he kind of they showed him a bit more you know but he did he did that was the last thing he ate that's true it was the last thing he ate yeah it was his last meal right it was apparently, <laughs> and from the look of it, um, it's implied that he 
ran into the TARDIS, served himself some fish fingers and custard, then changed his clothes. Right. Came back and finished, you know, and, and then had a little bit more <laughs> before yeah. finally completely regenerated. You're right. You're right. Yeah, because she looked at it. She's like, what is that? Yeah, fish fingers and custard. <laughs> you know how many people have started eating that because of Doctor Who? There's all these Pinterest recipes for how to make the proper fish fingers and custard. I still think it sounds delicious. I've never done oh, it. Oh, I've done it. It's it was it was if good. You make huh? the if you make really good fish fingers uh, and mm -hmm. you know proper custard, it, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, sweet and salty. I mean, it sounds. Yeah. It sounds like it would work. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about Amelia coming back, kind of to see? Oh, him that was great. That was that was so. It great. was powerful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was powerful. I oh, yeah, it was it was huge. The moment they showed her hand, I was like, and and it's funny because the first time it's all, it's it's always an emotional experience for me. This show. Yes. <laughs> so the first time I'm even like I even get stupid. I'm like, who is that? Who is that? The second time I see, I was like, how could I not know who it was <laughs> from just seeing her hand the first time? But you get all excited, like, what's happening? What's, yeah. what's going to happen? Do you yell at the TV? I don't yell at the TV. No, <laughs> I'm pretty. I do I do move around a lot. Um so like I was much closer to the TV at that point than I was at the beginning. Um well, if you ever want to kind of watch it with with my group, we we tend to be pretty interactive and <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> you know? Usually I'm I'm like so when I saw the 50th the, the 50th anniversary the first time, I was with a group of people and yeah, everybody was like, "Oh, like this and no shit is that this is that happening yeah. oh my god i can't did you recognize that but when i'm alone i'm i don't yell at the tv oh <laughs> yeah well you shouldn't it's, watch uh... it alone no it's great like that because because it's something that happens and and just kind of bothers me for the first time it's like even at the 50th anniversary when i saw it in theaters people are laughing and you can't hear that's true like something happened you can't hear something or people are talking over oh and during the 50th um the first time i saw it it was a meetup so it was with a whole group of strangers i didn't know any of these people yep. and one guy actually came to the meetup and he had never seen doctor Who. wow so he was he was asking questions throughout the entire episode oh. so so leading up to the episode, it was fun because everybody's like, oh, like there's this and this is this guy. And every time we'd ask a question, we were, we were all schooling him on what Doctor Who is and the history. And, yeah. you know, we wanted him to appreciate the episode as much as possible. Right. But then he started asking questions during the episode. And that was not cool. That's not cool. No, no, that was not fun. So um, I prefer to watch it uh, alone. Alone. Yeah. First time. See, like for me personally, I like watching it with group of true fans you know people that have been watching it at least for a little while you know people who have seen you know if not years and years then at the very least some episodes who kind of know what's going on and then after that you know i can watch it again with whoever but well, we've talked about the the way station in brooklyn yes the the way station right. so the way station uh, in brooklyn is um for people who have not been there is this amazing doctor who bar and it has a TARDIS inside of it, uh, and you can go inside and take pictures. And Matt, what's the bathroom? It's a bathroom, a, yes, and it's bigger on the, the inside. The <laughs> it's huge. The way they painted it into a corner, it looks like it's just TARDIS size. And then when you go in, the bathroom is huge. Yes. it is genius. Yes, yeah. And during the filming of um, Angels Take Manhattan, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan actually came to the way station. 
and uh, and took pictures there and and left their autographs in the bathroom and now there's frames around their autographs. <laughs> and and the reason I bring up the the way station is because I used to go, I went a few Sundays, and they would show a brand new episode. Um, and so there was a big group of people there, and they would project it, and it was it was great. But when I every time I went, everybody was dead silent. Wow. And and that's kind of like that. That's my favorite way to do it, I think. So in the moment, I mean, there's pros and cons to both, but I love just that everybody is just appreciating the show. Yep. You know, I think if anybody would have spoken up, you know, somebody would have smacked them <laughs> uh, because we're all there. We just love the show so much, and then immediately when it's over, everybody's talking about yeah. what happened. Yeah, I love uh, the discussion goes right after. Yeah. You know, and yeah. just everyone is so excited and, and chattering away about what it was about and what do you think that meant and how you think it's going to play out. The last time you heard, we talked about the show. I mean, we talked about fantasy and narrative and, and therapy, and we gave examples of that. Mm-hmm. I've never actually used Doctor Who with with clients. Yep. Um, have you? I have. Um, so I, I have a Doctor Who mug. Uh, it's a it's a like a tea or coffee mug uh, that I bring with me, and mm-hmm. I I just like it because you know it's Doctor Who, uh, so it looks like a, a TARDIS, so it's blue and it has a TARDIS drawn on it, and so I just kind of put it next to me, and uh, you know when I when I talk to clients sometimes I'll ask you know what kind of fantasy character you like or, or or sci-fi, and so I've had a number of people actually bring up Doctor Who because they saw my mug. So for those people who clearly know and love Doctor Who, um, I, I use that. So uh, so far, it's only been I think two or three people. I think three people uh, that I've used it with. And so we talk about the meaning of Doctor Who, and what I hear from a lot of people is that it, it's a meaning of hope. It's you know he's kind of like their own superhero, uh, and he's he's someone that uh, that people want to be more like. And if you look at the Christmas episode then this is this is the doctor the doctor is the one that always gives up himself for other people to make sure that other people are okay he will send his companions and his friends away so that they're safe and and he'll stay anywhere and take any harm um, in order to protect other people and i think that when you're dealing with let's say the military population or uh, even with you know uh, non-military civilians uh, a lot of us want to be that kind of a hero and when you access that and and you can talk about well what can you do what are your values and you know that's where that's where some really good work begins yeah so i've never had the opportunity to use it with clients my office is actually decorated with doctor who stuff um all over the place. There's a there's a painting. Uh, the the Pandorica opens wow. is actually hanging in the in the waiting room. That's really cool. Um, yeah, you know, it's like you either get the reference or you don't. Right. Um, and either way is fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's it's there for a number of reasons. But um, I've only had uh, I haven't had a client just ask me like, oh, did you see the special? Did you see this episode? Did you see that? So at least it was a conversation piece of you know just sharing an interest. But uh, I haven't you we didn't use it in in therapy. It probably really helps establish rapport if mm-hmm. somebody yeah, likes the yeah. same thing that you do. Yeah, 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 and that, and that's part of the reason why it's there. Um, why a lot of stuff is is there in my office, right? You see, you're like, okay, this is. This is this person. This person likes this, um, and and that's the reason why some people 
will will come to me, right? Because I'm I'm very public about that, and I think I think that helps. Right. And but for me personally, it's it's been huge, and I see all of these lessons there. Just because I haven't had really had the opportunity to to use it yet, just because it's not someone else's passion as big as it is, as it is mine, I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> I have content ready to go. I have a lot of quotes written down, and and I think just these last um, these last few few months have been so full of powerful statements of really 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 great stuff and and i think i think just in general um let me know what you think of this i i um pat o'connor who's been on the show a few times uh he has a a geek culture and therapy class that he teaches and i did a a doctor who um like lecture Mm -hmm. for the class so i came up with all these different themes and different ways you could connect things from the show to to real life stuff um I won't go over all of that, but there there was one that I that I really really like, and it's the I think I find the doctor at least especially the eleventh, but most of them probably to be a really maybe quite accurate <laughs> representation of what we can cons- of what is normally considered to be symptoms of uh, of ADHD, mm-hmm. and. I love the fact that he's, you know, he's he's bored so easily. He's always jumping from one thing to another, but he's super sharp. He's actually he's definitely the hyper kind most of the time. Right. But he's also hyper focused. And um, it works for him. You, yeah, it really yeah, works yeah. For him. Yeah. And and in his case, it's one of those situations where, hey, maybe you you have ADHD or you or you have a kid who has ADHD, but it's an example of you can have all of that and. One, use them right in in ways that are advantageous. Right. And two, you can still be a superhero. Right. Exactly. Right? So, so do you think? Do you think? Do you agree? Disagree? Absolutely. You know, the okay. fact that you can actually show that superheroes can have uh, what we might normally call limitations um, that are actually not, and might yeah. even help them function, is really a powerful lesson. Because there's so yeah. much stigma now, like, oh, they have a learning disability or they have depression or they have PTSD or they have, you know, these other limitations um, or ADHD. But to show that people can have that and still function really well and sometimes even better as a result. And uh, it's really, really powerful. You know, you look at Batman and he went through severe grief, severe loss, and he actually ends up using it to his advantage. Um, I use Superman a lot with the military because a lot of the times they even say, I have to be Superman. You know, I can never have any flaws. I can never um, have any weaknesses. And I usually say, okay, so you want to be like Superman. You want to be able to help people. You want to have nothing be able to stop you. Let me ask you this. Is there anything at all in the entire universe that can stop Superman? And then they think about it and they say, oh, well, kryptonite. (laughs) <laughs> and I say, right. So even Superman. Um, and magic. Don't forget magic. Right. Of course. <laughs> uh, I usually just stay with kryptonite. Um, so, but, you know, it shows that even if, even superheroes like Superman, who's out of this world, who's this, you know, incredible guy who can fly around really fast and carry really heavy things and, and really values helping other people, even he has something that can potentially limit him and stop him. So, 
uh, it doesn't make him any less of a superhero. It just means he has a limitation. That's his Achilles heel. And same thing applies to the military. You know, there are these amazing guys who are taught to uh, to be really righteous and, and save others, even if uh, at the expense of their own lives. Um, but they, they also have limitations. And I think it's a really powerful lesson uh, to use some of these um, – whether it's superheroes or, you know, in our case, Doctor Who, uh, to show that these things don't have to slow you down. Yeah. So Superman is like an archetype, right? I mean, even my my 85-year-old grandmother, <laughs> I've heard her make re Superman references like, oh, that guy thinks he's Superman. Yeah. You know, it's like you equate it with strength and things like that. Right. People know what kryptonite is, right. Batman too. One of, one of the things I love about about the Doctor and, and, and like that, that ADHD example is – I think ADHD is contextual, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, there are certain areas where you will struggle. Right. Because because you've been put in a situation that's not suited to you. Exactly. Like your brain doesn't just work that way. And then and the doctor has all of these amazing qualities and he's right where he needs to be. Exactly. Right? Thrown into it. Um, his skills are exactly what you need. It's quick. It's a puzzle you want to solve. Right. He's always looking for novelty, so he's excited when he gets there because right. it's all brand new. Exactly. And, you know, it actually goes to show how uh, a lot of times our education system, unfortunately, fails the kids that need that kind of a different uh, setting or different type of attention. Uh, Don't get me started. <laughs> you know, when, when, when somebody has, you know, whether it's a learning disability or ADHD or, or something else, maybe, you know, OCD, um, a lot of times kids are taught that if they're not, you know, this cookie cutter kind of thing, and if they're not doing just as well as everybody else using the same kind of structure, the same kind of materials as everyone else, and they're a failure. And it's very demeaning and it's not right. And then as a result, they don't even try. But if you actually model teaching to fit the individual needs of each student, which I know is probably very difficult to do when you have a class of 50, uh, you know, as some really crowded schools do. Uh, but nevertheless, if there's some kind of a way to um, have a slightly different approach for kids that need it, I, I think that you're going to see those kids strive. And for adults, I think. Same thing. I think yeah. The doctor, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep just coming back. I, I, I love this this idea of the doctor being this guy who was bored out of his mind. He was probably in a situation that he wasn't thriving in. Right. He said, you know what, I'm going to travel and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Right. And he went and did something where he was extremely successful. We don't know what he did right before he started uh, traveling. Right. But but I like to think that maybe <laughs> right, he 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 wanted to do something that was just more more engaging. Right. And and look at how everybody in, in, in that universe has benefited from that. Right. So imagine imagine if you like as an adult, right, or, or anybody with, with something like that. You're put in that in a spot where you can thrive. Right. Amazing. Definitely. Definitely. Very cool. So, so that's just like a general um, thing. Like th that's one example of the doctor. I think there's there's millions of them, but I think because because these last few months have been so exciting, I really wanted to do this after the fiftieth. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't get a chance, but now we have the fiftieth, and we have the Christmas special. Yep. And the name of the doctor too. Right. So. So in the name of the doctor, there's something that I really, really liked. Um, I kind of I have a few of them, so feel free to throw out some of your own. But I really love the part where uh, the doctor tells Clara that the the doctor is a is a promise. Yes. 
It's like I chose that name and it means something to me. And, you know, this idea of identity of not a label, right? Mm -hmm. But me, this is what I've chosen to call myself. And it's a promise that I've made and it means something. And I strive towards an ideal. Right. That, that was that was so great. Yeah, that's essentially his superhero name. And then the fiftieth, you see, the three of them actually saying what it actually meant mm-hmm. to each yeah. one of them. You know, never never cowardly. You know, um, never cruel or cowardly. Never give up. Never give in. Yeah, it's really powerful. And and to think and and they deal with this idea of, I mean, and that's. So that's the name of the doctor, right? That's, I think, the greatest part about it. And, and also the idea that there's a whole part of his life that he doesn't like to talk about. Right. Right. That it's, he's never mentioned it before. He tries to forget it. And to him, it's like it didn't exist. Right. And we learned that it's because it was the one time in his life when he couldn't live up to that idea. Right. Of course, then we jump to the, to the 50th and he gets an opportunity to go back and revisit. Mm-hmm. The, the events that he was this is something we do in therapy all the time right like we dissociate we, we, we there are things we don't want to look at there are things that we look at a certain way and then in therapy we we come in and we we learn to see it differently and we learn to accept it and in his case he actually went back in time and rewrote what he did right but but i think i think even though we don't get that opportunity to do that in a way we do because we just we like we get to forgive ourselves, we get to accept things that happen, mm-hmm. and then, and then that whole period of time or that whole experience changes for us. Right. So great. Absolutely. So great. No, it's it's a really really powerful experience, and I think for a lot of people, there is something that changes when mm-hmm. when they get to go back and and revisit that area. Um, you know, for so for example, for people with PTSD, just like with the doctor, right? When they get to go back to a decision that they've made, they see that they might not have had too much of a choice and Mm -hmm. it might not have been their fault. Um, And in the case of the doctor, not only did he get to fix this, but, you know, at at that time, he he really lived according to his values. He really was the doctor. He he saved people. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, like in, in, in real life, you can't go back and not do what you did. But it's just that that idea of being able to live with it differently. Right. Right. And so there powerful. are changes that you can make. So great. <laughs> I mean, just to see that represented on the screen just blew my mind. Right. It was right. so, so powerful. Like it's it's definitely something that I'll I'll use in the future. Right. I thought it was really powerful when um, John Hurt says that, well, you know, maybe yeah, maybe this guy killed all of these people, but at the same time, look at the man that he became. Look at all of the people that he saved as a result. And, okay, maybe that one moment was terrible in his life, but as a result, he became this symbol to other people. And yeah, he's, He became extraordinary. He became extraordinary. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah. had it not been for that moment, yeah. it would have been very different. I really like the part with the screwdriver where they're yeah. they're going to you know it's like well it's the same case uh, a different case same software right so if we start processing it now mm-hmm. in my past I'll figure it out by the time yeah four hundred years here. later yeah <laughs> and then and then the moment goes and switches it around into same face uh, no same software different face right kind of that same idea that we can 
we can learn and we can process things and we can grow and and we can start working on something and eventually figure it out. I mean, oh, just that whole scene yep. too. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the whole the whole thing with the moment was extremely powerful because it's that one moment that changes your life. He called it the moment. It's perfect. It is the moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, that yeah. one moment that a lot of us probably wish we could go back to in our own lives. You know, we all can probably identify that moment and wish there was, you know, a girl who, you know, could tell us, hey, think about it. <laughs> Before you press that red button, think about it. That, that episode is just so full of, of great stuff. Yeah. And the interactions between them, being able to look at yourself, look back at yourself. Right. You know, and, and, and. Th that comment that uh, the war doctor makes, like, why why do you guys look so young? Why are you guys ashamed of being old? Yep. You know? Yep. It was that idea that maybe – that's why I love that Peter Capaldi is older. Right. Right? It's like, okay, we're, 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 we're okay with not being – yeah, it implied that they wanted to try to act younger. Right. Kind of like a midlife crisis sort of thing, right? Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to accept that I'm older or, or maybe just distancing themselves from – from the all the horrible stuff that they did right and they associate that with being grumpy granddad right, right. and so and so they they go and they 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 take on younger faces and that's a that's a, a really cool explanation for that yeah. so then to have peter capaldi be older it's like it's, you know what i'm okay it's self-acceptance okay like essentially yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, so good so good <laughs> Was there anything else about about the the fiftieth that really? Gosh, it was so much. Um, I mean, the the entire episode was extremely powerful. Uh, I think just seeing you know four doctors in one show interacting, um, mm -hmm. yeah. three for the most part, and then the fourth at the very end, um, it was just really powerful. And you know, one doctor could do a lot, and you put you know, several of them in the same room and look at how much more they can do. Um, you actually have 14 different doctors. That's in true. The, the episode. You do have yeah. 14 different doctors in the episodes. Uh, the ones that are talking to each other, though, the ones you actually see talking, you see four different ones and they're just mind blowing. Um, I love that comment that uh, Matt Smith makes to David Tennant. So 11 makes a 10 where he says, despite our differences, and well, that's kind of weird to say, you know, yeah. kind of the, acknowledging that we, I was different back then and you and I, if, if I met my past self, maybe I wouldn't get along right. <laughs> with, right. with me. Yeah. <laughs> the part that I thought was really powerful was when they're all in a Tower of London and uh, the war doctor is asking them if they counted the amount of children that died. Yeah. And Matt Smith has forgotten, the 11th doctor has forgotten how many children there were and it, it's that well do you think do you think he forgot i don't think he forgot it's it's possible that he didn't but regardless i think it's that denial that i don't want to go there it's too painful it's too much exactly by exactly. now you know he's lost his wife he's lost amy and rory he's experienced so many more losses than the 10th mm -hmm. doctor that i think yeah. he can't even deal with this that to think about how many children he essentially potentially killed that day even though he didn't uh, is too painful. Yeah, and and that's why I, I've actually read people say like, oh, he forgot, and now he remembers. I don't think you forgot. I think it's what you said. It's just that denial. It's like I don't, I don't want to remember. Right. And if you bring it up, I I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you can and you can tell you can see the look on his face the moment they bring it up. He's like, I don't know, I don't remember. Right. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. 
But he does. He does. I mean, and, and Tennant proves that, that, you know, he at some point did know. And, and yeah, that's the type of thing that you don't forget. You that. forget. No, you don't forget exactly. that, especially if you actually yeah. counted. You don't forget that. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was uh, a, a great way to show, again, just the how human uh, the doctor is. Right. And just and just a representation of a real human experience mm-hmm. that there are things we don't want to talk about and we don't want to go back yeah. there. In seeing what Eleven was going through, you know, in regard to that moment, do you think that he was experiencing symptoms of PTSD? In that particular moment, not necessarily. Okay. No. I mean, because there's there's a lot of stuff that we we don't know. Right. Right? I mean, there's there's too much stuff. At that moment, he's showing denial. And like you can't even you don't even know if it's associative, mm-hmm. right? Or if it is denial. I'm I go with denial but it may be complete dissociation he may actually have been able to put that out of his mind Mm -hmm. um but no i don't i don't think so do you um it's possible you know if we look at the three symptom clusters you know you have the kind of the hyper vigilance uh about what's happening um so he's certainly pretty sensitized to this topic and um a little bit jumpy um then you have uh kind of remembering the event and he is going through it in his head over and over and over again and clara even mentioned how he always talks about the the way that he did it and um and then you have the avoidance you know avoidance of remembering how painful it was and avoidance of talking about how many children there were it's possible um Yeah, I need more information. Right, exactly. Wouldn't be able to diagnose him just like that, but it would be awesome to have the doctor on the couch. I don't know. I always have mixed feelings about diagnosing uh, characters. Exactly, based based on just so little information. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I've I've been thinking a lot about uh, how I like how I think he's very flexible, right? So so when you were talking about like being hyper vigilant about. I guess I guess what you meant was just um, making choices like that, where where lives are, are are on the line, right? Right. And then, I mean, sure, innocent lives, but but over the course of the show, he man, I mean, it's like there's that scene where it's it's debatable whether the Cybermen are people or not, but he destroys like half the fleet, right? And and uh, a good man goes to war, and then in because. It, this is all fresh in my memory. Um, <laughs> on the on dinosaurs are on a spaceship. At the end, he just lets the guy, he lets the guy die at the end, right? With with very little hesitation, right? And there are times when he he doesn't he doesn't do that, you know. There are times when when he just he cannot let anybody die. It doesn't matter who they are, right? And this guy, he's like, nope, sorry, see ya. <laughs> I'm gonna sacrifice you to save all of these other people, right? And he didn't even he didn't even seem to twitch. Mm-hmm. So that's why um, I don't see I don't see him that greatly. Like again, maybe he's having nightmares afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think we just got the first uh, in the fiftieth is the first time I've ever heard him talk about having dreams, right? Right, and there and he talked about positive dreams, like going home, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, I dream all the time about all the horrible things I did. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, lots knows? of stuff we don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> that was brilliant. And yeah, just with having yeah, him yeah. touch his nose. Yeah. You know, because that, yeah. uh, that was uh, Tom Baker's classic signature was touching his nose. 
I was really excited because uh, Moffat said that the 50th anniversary was about celebrating the last 50 and kind of setting the stage for the next 50. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did yep. in the last 10 minutes of that episode. He really did. He set it up so that, yep, we can get more regenerations. And not only that, you could potentially regenerate forever. <laughs> well, he set that up with the Christmas episode, I guess, right? With more regenerations. Well, well, yeah. So, so the only way that he could get more regenerations was if the Time Lords were still around. Right. So in the 50th, by having them be alive. And in another created, universe. Yeah. yeah. Just, just having them be alive, period, created the possibility that they could grant him more regenerations. So that was set up right there. And then the Tom Baker's doctor, the curator, is potentially, who knows what, 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 what number he is. Right. He could be an, an, an any number of regenerations. Because not only can you re- regenerate into new faces, you'll, you'll have a handle on this. And you can go back to the old ones. And, and, and he doesn't say really how far ahead that is. Right. That's a good point. And we don't know what limitation. Yeah. So he really does set it up so that, yep, that whole 13 regenerations thing, we're going to accept it as canon, but we're going to make sure that we, we go for it. Because uh, the master in, uh, in, in the old, in the classic series, he actually gets a new set of regenerations. Right. So, so that's why you know that it can happen. Right. It was just, how is it going to happen? And in the 50th, he set it up. He was like, yep, yep, here you go. That's all you needed. Even even if Moffat would have stopped right there, he would have set the stage for everybody moving forward to always be able to to do that. So he did absolutely set the stage for the fiftieth, uh, the next fifty years. Yeah, that man is brilliant. He's absolutely oh, brilliant. He's so good. Yeah. He he. It bothers me how good <laughs> how good he is because you know it go, you go back to the series and and a lot of people's uh, a lot of most. Uh, well-received episodes are written by him. Right. Even when he wasn't the showrunner. Right. So he just, his his vision for what the show is, is definitely resonates with people now. Definitely. Resonates with me. Definitely resonates with right. me. Right. Uh, the- I love 9, I love 10, but 11, oh, this is just like, this has been, the, the fact that he's, he's no more new episodes with 11 until like maybe the 60th anniversary or something like that right. is is rough for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> How long do you think your grieving process will be? Um, well, you know, I always have the old episodes, right? Yes. And and there is there is actually content. The one thing that I love about Doctor Who is that there there's always more content. So I actually have a lot of the comic books okay. that I haven't read. So those are 11th Doctor stories. Right. And there's always the potential of the audio dramas. Uh-huh. I will always hold on to hope that someday Moffat and and Smith are like, you know what? We should just do five episodes of <laughs> in between because he has ranged hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years right, in the show. Right. So there's so much potential for stories. Absolutely. You can have a different companion. There's so many things that you don't see yeah. in between. Yeah. And 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 that could happen with Tenant also. And uh um that would be so. That great. would be amazing. With Tennant, I wished Christina became his companion for a while. Ah, yes. The thief. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. pretty. Come back kick-ass. in a flying bus. Yes. Yeah. It, yep. Yep. Yeah. There is. The, I, I know. I read that uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant were talking about. Like they had an idea of how they could have adventures with the tenth and eleventh Doctor together. Uh-huh. Um, just do like a short series of them together. Um. The fact that they talked about it, they agreed to it, and they told Moffat about it, and then they publicly said it, 
that 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 makes me even more hopeful that that could that could happen at any moment. Fans would love it. I really hope yeah. that they do yeah. that. BBC would make so much money off. Of I know. Like I know. Bring the eighth Doctor back too. Yes. Just the fact that we got to see him. Oh, and he's if you listen to the audio dramas, he's so good. Like his his voice is so great. His his portrayal of the Doctor is so good. Nice. Um, and you could you could there's just there's so many stories you can tell. Um, there's there's a lot of potential. So that's that's why I'm hopeful. I, my my grieving process will be won't be too long. <laughs> won't be too long because I'm I'm so glad with everything he left. Yes. I was and and rewatching a lot of the episodes, even the episodes that I don't like a lot. Are so great because of him. Yeah. Which ones are your most and least favorite? Oh, so my most favorite. Um, let me see. So my favorite ones are definitely. I really like Eleventh Hour. Yeah. I love, love that one. Uh, um, Vincent and the Doctor. Oh yeah. Oh, that one makes me cry every time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> um, the The Lodger mm -hmm. and uh, Closing Time. Mm -hmm. Oh, why am I? I've, I've been put on the spot. I can't remember. Um, some of my least favorite ones are I don't love Nightmare in Silver. Okay. I just saw it again. And I think I think a lot of that, I, I, there are a lot of things about that episode that I don't like. But, but Warwick Davis and, and, and Matt Smith, they're, they're both great in the episode. So despite of what's going on, I, there's a lot to appreciate. Right. But I don't like that one a lot, which is disappointing because the um, one of my favorites is The Doctor's Wife. Right. Definitely. It's written yeah. by Neil Gaiman as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I love that one. There is, oh, I think possibly my favorite episode is The Christmas Carol. Yeah. I love that episode so much. That's a good The whole one. concept, the whole thing. I, I, I think that's the episode I've rewatched the most. Mm -hmm. I love that episode so much. Other one that I didn't like, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship was okay. Um... Can't think of another one that I really didn't like. I remember skipping through a few now on the on the show. So what about what about you? Um, so I, you know, I, I liked a lot of the ones that you mentioned. Eleventh Hour, The Doctor's Wife. Um, I liked a lot of the ones, especially with Amy. Um, oh, the girl who waited. I love those. Yes, who the girl who waited. Amy's choice. Um, I didn't love the lodger. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Just didn't mm -hmm. love it. Um, uh, the Bells of St. John. I thought that it was great. I, I thought it was entertaining and clever, but I don't know. Just didn't love it. Okay. Um, I liked the Snowman episode a lot. That was a really mm -hmm. good one. And 50th is my favorite of all the ones that I've seen ever. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is really amazing. I mean, Moffat went all out. And yeah. And to think that he, it was one of those things where he, he essentially paused the show. Yes. Right, because you could have, you could go from name of the doctor. I mean, except for the end, right? <laughs> and just skip right to to the Christmas special, right? And there, sure, there are things that that affect it later, but for the most part, like, he stopped everything that was going on and just introduced all new stuff. Yes, and it was amazing. And it's funny because watching the fiftieth, I now want to go back and watch all of nine because I feel mm -hmm. like it gives him a very different perspective. The way that Eccleston is acting, if you take into account that this is right after the war and he believes that the planet is dead and that he committed this mass genocide of yep. his own people, then rewatching all of Nine, I think, will give it a very, very different meaning. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And Rose is, so the first episode with Eccleston, 2005, 
that episode is probably immediately after the regeneration. Yep, the one with the mannequins. That, that one is called Rose. Yep, yep, yep. Because when he walks into Rose's apartment, he looks at himself in the mirror. Yeah. And he's he's like, huh, okay, so this is what I look right. like. So he had never looked at himself in a mirror. So you have to assume that he's it's very, very recent that he hasn't seen his his reflection yet. And the and the console is very similar. Right. Too. So the center part of the of the War Doctor's TARDIS is the same as the ninth doctor's. Okay, we've been talking for a while. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. One more thing I wanted to talk about in general about the doctor is um especially now we're we're right between Christmas and New Year's. And I'm writing this thing right now about it's a I call it uh, it's a regeneration story of mine, right? And it's and it's one of the it's one of those moments where where watching Doctor Who like really made something click for me. And I didn't realize that I've been um, I, I came up with the idea months ago, but now it it's really relevant because I think people like to do what's it called New Year's resolutions, right? Right. And it's 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 silly. Because why do you have to wait for January 1st to start anything? Right. So I was kind of struggling with that idea. And I think we all go through that, right? That whole idea of I'm going to make a change or I'm going to do something new. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like health related. Like my health wasn't doing too good. I was like, okay, I need to make some changes. Right. And I think you get you get stuck into this thing. I think we're, we're very we're, – all humans are – whether we react well or not, we're, we're, we're better at being reactive than proactive. Right. So even just setting things up for January 1st means, okay, I'm setting – that's a trigger. <laughs> the day that it arrives, um, everything changes. Mm-hmm. But then that's – you know, there's a there's a lot of you putting into that. But, you know, when somebody gets sick, there's an accident, lose your job, things like that. We tend to be reactive and we do things that we would have never done before if it wasn't in the face of that of that situation. Right, definitely. So, so I was kind of struggling with that. Right? I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Um, when do I get started? And what I decided, and I, and I think on on January first, it's something it's 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 man made, right? Like we we created ourselves. We decided that day is going to be the day that we start, even if it's just like the diet. I'm going to start on Monday, but mm-hmm. New Year's resolutions is is a pretty universal thing, right? So I decided. So for me, I'm the type of person that I I never I don't subscribe to. Anything like for me, Christmas is not that big of a deal. For me, Halloween is not a big deal. Thanksgiving, like for me, holidays are just another day. Birthdays are just another day. Um, that's just that's just me. And I decided that I would do that differently this time. Mm-hmm. So I turned thirty back in November, and I decided, okay, that's that, I'm going to create something out of that because I've I've already internalized so well that it's just another day like what's the big deal we don't have to do that right like i i recognize the truth of it but i decided to embrace the the other part of it the fact that i can make it something better if i wanted to mm-hmm. and so i was watching the end of time this is the final episode of david Tennant as the as a doctor right, right? his regeneration episode and there's the moment at the end Right where he he saves Donna's dad mm-hmm. and looks at him and says like, "Oh, you're okay, right? You thought you were gonna die. You thought something was gonna happen, but you're okay." And he puts his hand over his face, right, and he heals his his himself, and he says, "Nope, it started. Right, it's already started." And in that moment, I started thinking, "Man, you know what? 
um, I don't, it doesn't have to be a trigger. It doesn't have to be a specific day. It doesn't have to be, things don't change from one day to the next. Like even regeneration, for him, it was a process. Right. And it was an opportunity for him. And it, I don't think it ever, it ever happened that way in the show. And even, even in, in the Matt Smith regeneration, he has that opportunity to say goodbye. It's way shorter than David Tennant's. He, he actually gets to say goodbye. But then the moment he changes the Capaldi, it's, it's instantaneous, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But it, doesn't, it, it, it wasn't like that with David Tennant. Right. And it really made me think, wow, like I can, it can be a process. I can. I can it, it's, it is a process. It isn't something that changes from one day to the next. Maybe there are some decisions, but it doesn't have to be. It can be slow. It can be... Uh, it can it's a progress right it's progressional right and and that really did it for me it was i remember it was the day that they did the peter capaldi announcement mm-hmm. remember they showed that special in august yeah and yeah and right before uh the episode they were giving they gave the end of time and that's the moment i was watching it and that happened and that's when it clicked for me that was the moment where it was speaking my language and I could really relate to what I was feeling at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, and in the months after that, so, so for my 30th birthday, I started, I decided to make a big deal out of a lot of things. Like I'm going to have 30 episodes of the podcast by a certain time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and I made 30 represent a lot of different things. Wow. And, and, and I did, I did, I made all these changes and they were, I didn't finish everything I wanted to by the time my birthday came around. But it was it was this whole regeneration process. Wow, right is is the way I looked at That's it. That's a really and, positive way of looking at it. Yeah, and it, I mean, and and I love the idea that that of of what reg- regeneration in the show can represent. Like for me, it was very personal in 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 that sense, and and I think that now with you know people making resolutions and things, they, resolutions don't usually work, right? Yes. Let's be honest. Yep. Like it, <laughs> There's there there's studies and there's research and there's we know a million reasons why this doesn't work mm-hmm. and but but we hope for that right and and we we want to kind of set that up but yeah th- this idea of having a regeneration of having like Matt Smith says at the end of the episode uh, how like you you are a different person throughout your life you do change and that is so true and there's there's so much of that so I kind of wanted to discuss that idea with you of combining just change and 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 yeah sometimes you know something happens you get poisoned you get shot uh-huh. <laughs> in the case of the seventh doctor right and you have to regenerate um well on the operating table right the doctor kills you type of thing mm-hmm. right sometimes things just happen and you have to adjust right but then there's also opportunities for you to do it beforehand and it's a progress. i don't know so it's just i've been thinking a lot about that so i wanted to talk to you about like how powerful the the concept of regeneration can be. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, and it's this area for growth. You know, I think how you mentioned that 30th used to be just a a birthday used to be just another day for you and your 30th birthday was not going to be anything special until you saw the regeneration part. And I think for a lot of people, they take this concept of getting older as this tragic thing that happens like, Oh no, I'm 30 or, Oh no, I'm 40 or 50. And, um, and people get just boggled down by that instead of looking at it as a regeneration, as uh, a moment for an opportunity, an opportunity for change and to, to make a difference. Um, and I think that remembering that 
with each of your regenerations, with each of your lives, you know, if you want to look at each generation that you live, each decade that you live as a regeneration, for example, um, it's an opportunity for you to make a difference. And I mean, and just we all have different stages. Exactly. Right? Like we, we change from a student to a professional. We change from living with our parents to living alone. Right. Single to married or before the accident, after the accident, before the illness, after the illness. Right. Those are life stages. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think looking at it that way makes it a lot more positive and a lot less debilitating. Uh, so, for example, for, you just mentioned the example of an accident. So if someone was in a car accident and let's say now has no use of their legs, um, it all depends on how the person views that. So if you if they view it as their life is over and there's nothing they can do, then life will be very, very difficult. And of course, it's a terrible loss. Um, that being said, if they look at it as an opportunity to help others as, as a different stage, different regeneration, then um, that could be a really powerful experience where they can set up new goals with uh, with their new face or new body with, you know, the tools that they have now um, and and make a lot of new changes in a really positive direction. I was just thinking about how none of the doctors are excited that they're going to change. Right. Right. They're all dreading it. Yeah. Yeah. They're always dreading it. And and I mean, we fear change, right? Yes. It's, we have no idea what's going to come, whether we're moving, whatever the, the change is. Even when we see it coming, we, we're so afraid of it and we want to hold on to, to what we have. And in the case of, of the doctor, he, ne he never knows what he's going to get afterwards. And it's always, it's always interesting to see how the actor kind of portrays that if they give him the opportunity. Right. To kind of say goodbye or hold on, right? Like 10 really didn't want to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that line, right. I don't want to go. You know, I, I don't know anyone who, when they watched that, didn't cry that line. And it's, it's, I think, I think, again, it's a, it's a great representation of just being, of, of what change can be, whether you see it coming or not. I mean, there, there are reasons to be afraid, but at least I like the, the idea that, well, when I saw 10 regenerate, I did not want him to regenerate, but then 11 became my favorite. Right. And I always think about how I'm really excited about Peter Capaldi. Yes. I mean, I've never, never loved the character as much as the 11th Doctor mm -hmm. as portrayed by Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yet, even though he's gone, I'm still so excited about what might come afterwards because every every new change has been, I don't know, I've I've liked it maybe not more, but differently like I, I still it's still there's room for so much awesome stuff yeah <laughs> and i'm really excited and and we don't look at our own uh lives like you said as opportunities we don't see usually how great it could be right definitely in some cases we do right and and, and it doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily going to be great like 11 tells 10 like things are going to get really bad right i'm going to see some stuff and that's why i'm the way i am and 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 you never know what you're going to get but yeah to be to go into that moment positive about it is or the very least hopeful is healthy yeah is is yeah yeah i mean i think i think it helps i think it's good to be realistic too yes. just to accept the fact that you know it could go either way right but i but just to, to be a little hopeful makes it easier to transition definitely being too hopeful will will, will backfire it might Right. Like I think I think if you're going into it like everything is going to be amazing, right. my life is going to be everything is going to be better now. And then you go and, you know, it's and then if things not... don't work out, certainly. So if you have that strong attachment to outcome, to how things are going to turn out, definitely. If you're just hopeful, like, you know, I'm 
hoping things are going to get better. I'm hoping that I'm going to, you know, get this thing done and, you know, make this difference in lives of people. Um, then, you know, if you're constantly working toward that value, then I think that's, that's probably different than if you're, as you mentioned, too hopeful because of a specific attachment to a certain outcome. I think uh, maybe the, the healthiest way is uh, like, like Matt Smith said in the episode, you know, life is uh, different, just like a, a, a series of different, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but like a series of different experiences, a series of different lives that we live. Right. And that's just the way it is. Some are good, some are bad. And, um, and it's all a part of it. And it's all one big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's all that one package. Yeah. And when he wrapped up that episode, that was, that was powerful. Yes. <laughs> it got to me. It really got to me. Yeah. No, it, it was really well done, really well executed, amazingly written. Uh, ever since MoFat took over, I think the show has gotten exponentially better. Every Yeah, a lot of people I've read it don't like it, but obviously tons of people love it. It is way more successful than it has ever been. Ever, yeah. And um, and I, I love it way more than, than I ever expected to. And I think like right now it is my favorite show. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not always be my favorite show. That changes over time mm-hmm. also. Uh, but right now it is it is my favorite show. Right. So again, I think I, I love that idea of having, um, sure, Doc, uh, Matt Smith is, is gone, but there's always this potential for more stuff. Um, I did I did just want to bring up briefly that in addition to all this other stuff that we got, so we got the name of the doctor, we got the 50th anniversary, we got the Christmas special. There's that audio drama that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned comic books a few times. There's actually a few different comic books that have come out this year um, that kind of celebrate all of the doctors. Right. There's um, specifically there's there's the Prisoner of Time. It's like one long story with one uh, the doctor in every issue. So it's a it's a an eleven issue series. Nice. I actually haven't read that one. I have it, but I I haven't read it. So that's something that I still have to look forward to. And this week, the day before the 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 Christmas special. There was a, a comic book. It was the the. It's actually the last comic book with the Eleventh Doctor. Also, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's kind of sad. But it's the it was a special. It was um, a 2013 special, is what it's called. If you want to get it, and I told you to check it out. It's really cool because uh, the Eleventh Doctor goes into a parallel universe, which is our universe. So he comes here and he shows up in the middle of. Um, a sh- uh, Doctor Who on location shooting. Yep. So he arrives to in a place where Doctor Who is actually a a show that's being uh, filmed, and it's great because there's actually a part in the in the comic where he looks at the DVD for series seven, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, yep, the name of the Doctor is the last one on the on the series. He's like, yep, that's pretty much that's the last thing that happened to me, right? And um, but the the great thing about this one in particular, and and it really goes into what what we talk to we talk about in the show is that he meets a little girl who loves the show and uh the mom tells the doctor yeah like one of the reasons why i like her watching your show is because you are a different kind of hero you're not the typical hero you're very different and you have all these different uh like eccentricities and things like that and i think it's okay it's good for her to see to have a hero like that right. for her to look up to. and and there was one line uh, from the comic that I that I thought was really really cool. Let me bring it up. The quote that I really really liked um, is where the doctor makes it clear to this little girl named Allie that 
she's afraid of this bully, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, is what's happening in, in the show. And she's watched the show, so he has, like, his adventures are always usually fighting monsters and things like that. So he tells her that in your world, there are just problems that need sorting. There are no monsters. And she internalizes that, and she starts seeing things. Like, she's really, really afraid of these things that are happening. But when he puts it in that context, like, they're, th- these aren't monsters that you're fighting. These are problems that have solutions. Right. These are problems that need sorting. I thought that was so cool. And it's, it's again, it's one of those things where just Doctor Who is just throwing stuff at you. I don't know if it's Moffat's intention or not, but there's so much that we can grasp onto um, and show it to different people. So I think I think that that's such a simple, yes, powerful message. Like, yeah, you know, whatever you're dealing with, um, not whatever, right? But there are problems that, you know, probably has a solution. Right. Like the world where we live in, uh, he's able to leave his world and see our world where there is no there are no aliens there are no monsters nothing like that he considers our world very boring mm-hmm. <laughs> he considers our world the anti-real world to his world right. Right? it's just very strange and that the things that we deal with you know they even even monsters you can deal with them but then even if you bring it down to another level, it's like you know what i i fight all these monsters and stuff and 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 the stuff that you're you're fighting they don't even have to be that scary they're just a problem that needs a solution and it's something that it means something a lot it means a lot to the girl in the in the story and i thought it was really great so i think i recommend you check it out especially if you need more 11th doctor right it's pretty good self-contained yeah, story. no definitely i i didn't finish it but i got up to the part where he meets the little girl and her mom and everyone's saying well you're the actor you're matt smith and he's like no i'm the actual doctor yeah he's trying to convince them that he's not matt smith yeah he's actually it's great and he does eventually meet Matt Smith. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Nice. So um, I think that that just, for me, kind of wraps up the, the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Just that idea that Doctor Who is amazing for us. All right. We got to geek out on Doctor Who. Yep. But that there's all this potential. There's all these messages and stuff that we can that we can pull on. I mean, I think it's more of the same, the, uh, what I'm always saying, that if we if we really take these things that we love, like we can really use them in positive ways to help people out Absolutely. in the right context. In our context, it's, it's therapy, but, um, you know, just the same way I could, I could hand this comic book to my niece or nephew or, or, or to a friend right. and, and, and just have that discussion. Yeah. There are messages everybody can use and they're available in a number of different mediums In really fun, awesome. I think there should be a doctor <laughs> who cartoon. That's about the only thing that's missing. Maybe a video game. Hmm. There are video games. There are. Of that nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that you were just missing um, a cartoon. Um, have you seen the animated episodes with David Tennant? And, yes. Uh, okay. So there are a few episodes. That's a, that's the thing, right? There's so much potential. Right. <laughs> you could have another comic book and, and these characters, you can revisit them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got audio dramas. We've got uh, TV shows. Yeah. We need some cartoons. And there's always cons. There are always cons. <laughs> you know what? One thing I've never looked into is fan uh, like Doctor Who fan fiction? I'm sure it's out there. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that would be interesting I've, to read. I've never read any fan fiction, to be honest. Actually, I probably come up with a lot in my head, but I've <laughs> never written it down, and I've never read anybody else's. Um, I've read some uh, like related to Harley Quinn and the Joker, and it was pretty good. Um, you know, sometimes people post it on their websites and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I've read a, a, about a lot of different uh, fan fiction and and stuff, and there's some cool stuff out there. Um, but I've I've never actually read any. Mm-hmm. So, but there's that too. If you need a, a fix, yeah, yeah. So there are multiple <laughs> ways of getting your Doctor Who fix until the next episode. Yeah, and actually, uh, so if you go to the the website, I will be posting that regeneration story thing that I wrote. Uh-huh. 
uh, hopefully before New Year's. And and on the site you can find I do talk about the Doctor Who class that I the the lecture that I gave at the class, and I go into a little more detail about the different themes that I touched and how you could look at different things. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, people can check that out. Um, what are you What are you working on now, Janina? Um, so I'm still working on my manual, the superhero manual. Um, and I actually have a student who is interested in doing it for his dissertation. Uh, so I'm hoping that um, when I'm done writing it in what I'm hoping will be about four to five months, um, he will be able to use it for his dissertation. And then we are hoping to incorporate the results into the manual, into kind of a revision of the manual before it's officially published. So I'm really excited about that and uh, just incorporating my two passions you know, kind of anything geeky. Um, and the manual is not only going to have fantasy, it's also going to have sci-fi. We'll mention Doctor Who and examples of Doctor Who. It better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll, I might be coming to you for more suggestions. Um, yeah, so it will kind of uh, use a number of different uh, geek elements um, and primarily focusing on acceptance and commitment therapy structure. Um, and uh, he's hoping to use it in uh, an inmate population, uh, but the manual will be available for any population. And um, you're, you have a blog where people can can learn more about what you're up to? Uh, yes, uh, it's uh, shadowquill.com. And if people want to reach you? They can reach me through there or through my Twitter account. Uh, so it's uh, just at shadowquill on Twitter. Um, on Geek Therapy, we've got a new contributor, and uh, she's adding some really cool articles. I just posted a, our first game review for a video game called Doki Doki Universe. Um, it has a character called Dr. Therapist, <laughs> and I have a lot to say about that. So <laughs> so uh, you can check that out on the site. And um, so that that's what uh, we're up to at Geek Therapy. So thank you, Janina, so much for coming on the show thank again. You. Thank you for having me. It was always, always great to chat with you about anything geek-related, Doctor Who, about pretty much anything. So thank you. Oh, and, and I need to do more Doctor Who episodes. Yes. Oh, I love the show. Let's see, let's see, how, <laughs> let's see how it goes. Um, yeah, so, so thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you soon again on the show. Thank you. And uh, for more on Geek Therapy, go to geektherapy.com or follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>